When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We didn't want to deviate too much from from what we already know, but also this is a, a different time in his life, and he's very much you know consumed by by all of his sort of negative emotions, and all of that fuels his, his dark side abilities. Welcome to our Obi-Wan Kenobi premiere pod of the Dagobah Dispatch. We are going to share our all spoilers, all the time reaction to the first two episodes of Obi-Wan Kenobi, which are out now. We'll talk about the Andor trailer, as well as the news of a new series called Star Wars Skeleton Crew. Plus, we are going to be joined by Darth Vader himself. Yes, Hayden Christensen will be with us. I spoke to Hayden earlier this week, so we will play that entire interview. And we also have the showrunner of Obi-Wan Kenobi, Deborah Chow. I tried to get spoilers out of her, and she she shot me down like she was shooting womp rats down at Beggar's Canyon. But we will play you that interview as well. So tons to get to. I am Dalton Ross, joined by Lauren Morgan. Devin Kogan is not with us this week because Devin Kogan is out at Star Wars Celebration, where she is no joke mingling with the cast of Obi-Wan Kenobi, Andor, Willow, and The Mandalorian. We could not be more jealous. Uh, We will have all those interviews for you coming in future installments of the podcast. But right now, it's time to talk about the first two episodes of Obi-Wan Kenobi, and it's time to talk with Lauren Morgan. Big day today, Lauren. Big day. You had the alarm set and everything. Actually, I woke up before my alarm because I I woke up naturally around like 3.55 and I looked at my clock and I was like, I tried to go back to bed for about five minutes and then I was like, who am I kidding? And I just got out of bed and I started watching, which was what often happened with the Mandalorian episodes. I just kind of wake up early and I'm like, might as well start to start this right now. So, you know, I have actually watched them twice, both of them. So, <sighs> Well, you doubled me up then. I, yeah. I woke up actually at uh, at 4.02. So we were within seven minutes of each other uh, waking up, which <laughs> I'd like to know we're in, we're in sync like that. All right, we have a lot of stuff we want to get to with these episodes. Again, uh, we're getting into spoilers. Lots of spoilers. If you don't want to hear that, you can just sort of maybe jump to the, the Hayden Christensen, Deborah Chow interviews. Those do not have spoilers, but this most certainly will. Let's just start general. We've been waiting for this for so long. Now we have it, our first two installments. Just give me your sort of general thoughts. Are you happy? Are you unhappy with what you saw i'm pretty happy like there's uh, a big surprise which we'll get to in a minute a certain uh little character uh shows up and i was sort of delighted because i didn't expect her and you know i was pretty happy with them i watched them through twice uh there's a couple of things i have questions about but I, you know i was pretty like it was just sort of like kind of crazy after all of these years to be like I am watching Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like, I am watching Ewan McGregor again. Uh, sadly, not too much uh, Hayden in, in these two episodes, just a very dramatic appearance. So I was a little disappointed about that because I, I was looking forward to uh, seeing him 
sort of sort of chomp into the role again. How are you feeling with the the two first episodes? So I'll tell you how I was feeling, then I'll tell you sort of my thoughts and like semi-intel, but also semi-gut feeling about mm-hmm. how much Hayden we're going to see. But so originally, Obi-Wan Kenobi was supposed to come out on May 25th, this mm-hmm. Wednesday, first episode. And uh, so that's what we printed in our cover story. And then after <laughs> our cover story came out, those bastards changed it. And they said, we're going to show you the first two episodes on the 27th. And I was kind of a little confused by that because I was like, you only have six of these. Like, why yeah, are you burning through two in what? Like, give me six weeks of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Don't give me five weeks. I want six weeks. And so now I get why they did it. Just to give you a little behind the scenes sort of inside baseball, you know, working in the biz, you know, we get press screeners <laughs> in advance and often they'll send you like two or three, not just one, because they they feel you'll, you know, there's more there. You'll like it more. Something big happens, whatever. They just, when, when you write your review of it, if you're writing a review, they feel that's the perfect cutoff point to make you write a good review. Mm-hmm. So I think had they just put out that first episode and that's all anyone had for a week, I think there might be a little grumbling, right? Like, because- Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. You know, it, it, like, it, again, it's part of the story. I'm not saying it shouldn't be there. It works better in two. But like the first episode, Obi-Wan's just kind of generally a little bit mopey and depressed. And yeah, he's there's... really being a coward through a lot of it. <laughs> right? so, like, like seriously. Really, like, you're like, really? You're just going to leave Benny Safdie just hanging there like that? Like, you know? <laughs> in the really? desert. Yeah, you're just going to like, you're not going to help him at all. So By the way, n- nice inadvertent pun with hanging uh, yeah, for Benny Safdie. No, I said, what that, I, I said his, that and I was like, ah. Oh. What happens to his character later uh, in yeah. the episode. But yeah, so it, it's like, you know, if all you get is one episode, that's all you're going to get from Obi-Wan is basically him just like, oh, I don't want to do this. Like, I just want to save in hiding. I'm not the man I used to be. Like, uh, no, I'm not going to help anyone. I'm yeah. just going to let this this poor dude at my weird meat factory just get like hosed <laughs> by- I was like, he's working in a meat packing plant? What is going on here? By the way, I kept waiting for him to get busted for stealing the, the food for his yeah, Ethiopian. Yeah, I was you know just I mean? like, aren't they checking you? Like, you can just leave with this whatever the heck that beast was. I was just like, okay, you just keep yeah. stealing meat. And they're like, fine, whatever, you know? I mean, I, I just expected a payoff on that. Like, okay, yeah. he's going to steal it a few times the third time. All right, now you're getting busted. Now we're gonna have the big fight, and that's when you're gonna be kind of outed as a Jedi. Never happened. So, um, look, I get why they put the two together because clearly the end of the second episode is a lot more dramatic than the end of the first episode, where he's just like, All right, gonna get on the ship. That's literally the end. That's your cliffhanger after week one. Gonna go take a ship, take a transport. But episode two is where you get the shot of Hayden Christensen, Anakin Skywalker, Darth Mm -hmm. Vader whatever you want to call him, in in the back to tank. And it's funny because I asked him about that for the cover story. I'm like, are we going to see him without the helmet on? And he had that kind of sly smile on his face. I figured we would. Yeah. And that was a lot more, uh, a much more dramatic end to our first sort of dose of Obi-Wan Kenobi to, to take us through for another week. As far as just Vader in general, and this is like somewhat based on a little intel from my reporting and somewhat just sort of a gut check is that, I don't think we're going to see a lot of them. Mm-hmm. My feeling is it's just going to build to episode six and then there'll be some sort of big confrontation, right? And that'll be the big thing. But my guess is for the next few weeks, we're not going to see a whole... I could be wrong. Yeah. But at least in terms of any confrontation, that's not coming for a while. 
I don't think, Lauren. Yeah, I mean, it would make sense. Like, you, I don't think you can just have, you know, a big confrontation every week between them because it's kind of like the way their past confrontations have gone. I don't think, you know, there's so many of them that they could either one of them survive through multiple ones of them. That's how it ended. Let, let's talk real quickly about how, how it began. Mm-hmm. How did you feel about opening with essentially a four minute previously on Star Wars? <laughs> I thought I was like, I was like, well, this is a nice, like, you know, if you, uh, you know, a little, uh, uh, basically taking all the good stuff out of the prequels and just squeezing it into a, a nice little package. And I, I did actually watch all of that because the prequels are not the ones I revisit most often. But then opening with like Order 66 and like, you know, in the Jedi Temple and, you know, the younglings running away, I was like, man, (laughs) just going right for the gut. I mean, are you assuming what I'm assuming, which is basically Reva, this Inquisitor who's like obsessed with finding Obi-Wan Kenobi and all the other Inquisitors like, yo, take a chill pill, Reva. Uh, And she's like, no, I won't. I'm assuming she's that little Jedi youngling in the first scene. That makes sense. That makes sense. You know, this is why else would they be showing it? Like, why else would they show you that scene unless she is that young girl sort of like hovering over her dead master? I was thinking uh, more that it was like Benny Safdie's character was kind of in there. And he was the the Jedi that was on Tatooine in addition. He's actually filmmaker, one of the Safdie brothers. Um, But I was assuming that they were showing him because of, like that but you know i didn't connect that she was like you know this is the problems with watching it at four o'clock in the morning you don't make easy connections sometimes i could be wrong but i don't think i am wrong especially because there's that line later where obi-wan tells uh the the, his little companion who we're about to get to uh Mm -hmm. that like he explains that well a lot of these inquisitors are former jedi you know it's like all right you're really setting it up there you're really setting it up let's talk about obviously the big thing like uh, and all my talking I did with Joby Harold, the writer, with Deb Chow, the uh, director, with Kathleen Kennedy, obviously, who's the, the president of Lucasfilm, they all said, listen, uh, you know, this isn't going to be as connected as much to the Mandalorian st- timeline stuff you saw in that in Book of Boba Fett. This is much more prequel, where mm-hmm. that's our big connective tissue. And they certainly leaned into that because the, the big uh, sort of shock and surprise, if anyone was actually shocked and surprised, was that it wasn't going to be a whole series of Obi-Wan looking after Luke. It was going to be maybe Obi-Wan looking after his sister, yeah, Princess Leia Organa, who we go to Alderaan and we see her. And we see Brea Organa. We see the whole, you know, Organa family. We got even, cousins in even, the mix. Even <laughs> the, the bratty cousin who's trying to say she's not an Organa. And I'm just like, literally, man, you know, she, she he deserved the burn she gave him, but. I knew Jimmy Smith was going to be in this because also we had previously talked about it. So, you know, and I had just assumed that it would be sort of more in like a cameo capacity or something like that. But like, as soon as we saw the Alderaan skyline, I was like, oh my God, I fought to try and get Bray Organa in the character list, but I got denied. And I basically, it was based on, I had read Princess Leia of Alderaan and Bloodline and stuff like that. And all of the stuff that Leia was talking about with her parents. And you're like, she's like... The one thing I was thinking as I was watching like Leia being brought up in a palace was how she like Luke really got the short end of the stick being stuck yeah. on the moisture farm with grumpy Uncle Owen while his sister gets to live in like a palace with the Queen of Alderaan. First off, I want to give a shout out. You mentioned Bloodline. That is one of the best Star Wars books. Oh, it's, it's great. It's, yeah, it's so I mean, basically all of Claudia Gray's Star Wars books are great. Yeah, they're all really great. But Bloodline is it's it just so 
you'll know it's it's much more sort of um politics and diplomacy based than action based not to say there's not action in it mm-hmm. but it's 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 a fantastic book i figured leia would show up but i i thought it would be more sort of like cameo i didn't realize and we'll see if this continues but that like she's going to be the grogu to his mandalorian like is you know she's like this is like an actual little character and I just thought it was really interesting because there was so much discussion about like who's getting cast as young Luke. And it, I feel like the uh, Obi-Wan casting crew were sort of pointing this way and like they really were just trying to hide from the fact that this is there's going to be a lot of Leia in this series. And I loved the point when uh, Brea and Bail were just like, she's just as important as Luke. And I'm like, damn right, she is. Well, first off, you didn't get her mom on the list because you put Dexter Jetster at number 96. So I that's didn't one even problem. want Dexter Jetster on that's, the list. <laughs> see, this is the issue this is uh, on the our problem. top 100 Star Wars characters lists. Uh, go, go Google it. I was trying to get her shoved in with like Aunt Beru and Uncle Owen and like just the other parents or even just add her into the bail one. But like nobody was buying it. You wanted like a blanket, just parental... Yeah, parental. That's why you were so into Galen Urso. You just would not yeah. stop with any of the parents. I mean, when you've got Darth Vader as your father, you need some decent parents in Star Wars. Let's talk about 10-year-old Leia here then. All yeah. right, so she's a big part of the mix. You know, She gets uh, kidnapped and that sort of draws out Obi-Wan in this nefarious plot of Reva's. What do you think of the 10-year-old Leia that we saw here? I will admit I am a sucker. I have a six-year-old little girl, so I am just a sucker for a little girl precociousness. And I thought her interactions with Ewan McGregor were really good. And that's just sort of like brought out that uncle fatherly side to him. Like when, uh, you know, he was trying to buy her the costume to hide in and she just went for the gloves and he's like, we don't need the gloves. And then he's like, here, fine, have the gloves. And I'm just like, you're just a sucker for this kid. I thought that was pretty, pretty cute. And, And I just thought like, you know, she... You know, she was like, you know, there were some line readings, like obviously with uh, all child actors, there's some line readings were like, "Eh." but I thought she was pretty cute. What did you think about her? So I'm a little torn because Mm -hmm. I I feel the same way you do. do. I liked her. I thought she was super precocious, a little bit sassy. Yeah. And I like that. I like the, you know, the way that they leaned into the strength of the Leia that we know Mm -hmm. in in later films. So I liked all that. I did get annoyed when she ran away from Obi-Wan. I was like, kid. That was like when they were running around. I'm like, you two are really not being quiet here. Like, you guys are just making a lot of noise. I guess I'm wondering, is this what we're going to have four more episodes of? And I just, that just gets me a little worried just uh, because, you know, we have this, it's like Mando and Grogu. I mentioned earlier, you know, we've seen this a million times, you know, adult job to protect kid and, you know, get into sort of adventures along the way and have sort of like this, like, it's almost like the good cop, bad cop, or, you know, like the mismatched fish out of water pair. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I liked it for what I saw it for now. I just, I hope that the series is not just that, you know what I mean? Like, just because that's not that original necessarily. We've, we've, like I said, we've saw the live action Star Wars streaming show already to a degree. So I thought she was good. I like that Leia's a part of the show. I like the performance so far. Just slightly nervous about, uh, you know, four more hours or whatever of it. Yeah. 
I would assume that he is going to eventually deliver her back to Brea and Bale and Alderaan. And what is the Royal Guard of Alderaan up to? Because they are not doing their jobs. I'm sorry. But- That's what Obi-Wan <laughs> says, right? I was like, don't yeah. you have a guard for this? Yeah, I was just like, what are they doing? Like, aren't they patrolling the woods? Like, come on, what's going on here? But yeah, like I could see that concern too, because it, it it is like you know Grogu. I think the thing that does work about Grogu is that he's nonverbal, and also a lot of times Mando just puts him someplace, goes and does his thing, and then comes back, and you know, or he he gets involved in some in something like that. So I am curious where the next four lead, and also like. Did Reva just kill the Grand Inquisitor? Because that doesn't really measure okay. up with right. what Let, happened in Star Wars Rebels. Let, so. Let's get into that. That yeah. was, I mean, in terms of like pure shock, and mm-hmm. I want to get your thoughts on the Inquisitors in general, but you brought up the the, the big death. Yeah. Uh, so let's get into that. So just to give some background, and I guess I'm sort of spoiling Star Wars Rebels here mm-hmm. a little bit, but this is now canon. In, in Star Wars Rebels, at the very end of the first season, I believe. Yeah. Basically, the Grand Inquisitor is the big bad for that season, and he takes on Kanan, and basically Kanan defeats him, and then the Grand Inquisitor decides he doesn't want to face Vader, I guess, essentially, so yeah, just plummets to his death. suicide, yeah. Right, so he kills himself. So, Star Wars Rebels takes place five years after the events of Obi-Wan Kenobi. It's five years prior yeah. to A New Hope. This is now, I guess, well, I guess this is like nine years prior to A New Hope. So it's a four or five years. Yeah. And so listen to our podcast last week. I had Rupert Friend on. Uh, he plays the Grand Inquisitor. And I said, hey, dude, like, we know you're getting out of this thing unscathed, like, because, you know, you, you die in, in four or five years in Rebels. So are we going to see more Inquisitor and like in, yeah. in other shows and like this and that? And he's like, yeah, I really want to do it. I think he's a great character. And we know what happens to him down the line. So this, this, that, and the other. And then at the end of episode two of Obi-Wan, we see him just get stabbed through the chest with a lightsaber, like like Darth Maul, Qui-Gon Jinn style. Maybe, I don't know, those the, the that class of aliens where their internal organs are, maybe that's just a dead zone of like, there's just, you know, he didn't get anything too important. But I, I rewatched the episode and I was like, yeah, that kind of looks like a real, like, a, a dead. He's not even moving when they show him again. But then I was trying to remember, like, because we see the, like, uh, we see some, uh, we've seen some other uh, footage, like, later on, from later on in the season in the trailers. And I was like, didn't I see him in that? And I was like, oh, it could always just have been. I don't trip. think so. I was, I listen, I didn't go back and watch the trailer. So someone may be listening to this and screaming at us. It's like did, the but- Inquisitorious headquarters or something. I know there was something in there. Is he in that scene? I can't remember, but I was really like, this is an interesting addition to the canon. Like, is there another Grand Inquisitor coming here? No one follows the Star Wars animated universe closer than Lauren Morgan. So Mm -hmm. the question I had for you when I watched this is, we've seen a lot of crossover from the animated shows to The Mandalorian. Have they ever broken timeline in between or animated and live action? I don't believe they have i think all those things exist in in the same canon yeah so in that sense he can't be dead or are they now saying that we can mix it up in between these two things there's been subtle canon differences the one thing that i'm just thinking of is like in the ahsoka novel i can't remember if it was like burying her lightsabers 
And in the end of the Clone Wars, her lightsabers kind of wound up in a different place. There was like a little bit of difference between what was in the Ahsoka novel and what was at the end of the Clone Wars for Ahsoka and Captain Rex. So, but those were kind of like slight differences, not like and that's we're going to kill too. somebody who is alive in the yeah. Star Wars Rebels. So I'm, I'm going to assume right now that maybe he's not dead and it's just a flesh wound. I mean, it was a very much like a hold on, like that, that did throw me off a little bit. If he's not dead, I can't believe that's, imagine that's going to go well next time they're in that briefing room together. Yeah, I think that might be a little bit tricky. Their next meeting is going to be very uh, tense, I would imagine. Speaking of things that confuse me a little bit, I thought I thought we were getting our first sort of look at Forlom here, the mm-hmm. bounty hunter, who then, he's that protocol droid bounty oh, yeah, hunter. Yeah. Who, but, then, but then that dude gets seemingly shot and killed too. So I don't like- <laughs> So maybe there's another one. Maybe that's his brother. Who knows? But how many protocol droids are like overriding their programming to become bounty hunters is, <laughs> seems a little unclear. I don't, is that like a thing? Maybe whoever uh, overwrote it the first time was like, ah, I got to do this again. But you know, maybe I, I've got to improve the programming a little bit, but- I mean, we, we've, Lauren, we've seen droids get shot and put mm-hmm. back together before, certainly. Yeah. Uh, C-3PO had a rough go on Bespin, so- And he had, he had a tiny cameo here played by Anthony Daniels where he was on Alderaan. So so I was wondering if that was him or not. That was uh, actually because I because I know there was the second protocol droid and then I right. had seen in the credits it said Anthony Daniels and I was like, that was it. And then I went back and I was like, oh, that, that was C-3PO in this scene. And then there was a second protocol droid. So, but yeah, that was Anthony Daniels for that tiny, tiny role. So there you go. Well, I need to get Deb Chow on the line and mm-hmm. find out if that was Forlom. Yeah. <laughs> uh, because that I will not rest. Forget about the Grand Inquisitor. Yeah. I need to know if Forlom, anytime there's any any dude or droid that was hanging out on the bridge uh, being briefed by Vader to go find Han Solo, I need to know their whereabouts <laughs> yeah, where at all times. They? Get me Boss. <laughs> get me Dengar. I need to know where they all are. Okay. What you, would you think of the Inquisitors? Again, this is something that was uh, first introduced on Rebels. Mm-hmm. You're a big fan. We've seen the Grand Inquisitor uh, on Rebels. And and so what did you think of Rupert Friend uh, in particular as the Grand Inquisitor than the other characters? I thought like Rupert Friend was pretty good. There was some, uh, and this is just costuming stuff where I was like, those costumes seem a little bit too clean to me. <laughs> it was like, they need some wear and tear. And I, like, I, you know, I'm a Jason Isaac fan. So I have to say, I did think about like how he would have played this. Uh, but I thought Rupert Friend was good. It's just sort of like, I'm just sort of puzzled, like, do they kill him? Although I will say in the first episode, when they're uh, interrogating Uncle Owen about where Obi-Wan is, and I'm like, he's right over there. Like, just turn <laughs> your head. He's he's right there. And this is the other thing is like, there was a lot in, in this of Obi-Wan giving very much Luke and Last Jedi vibes, where it seemed like he had just kind of shut himself down from the Force and wasn't connecting to the Force. And I know that's like, you can hide that basically that way. But I was really like, you guys are kind of dumb because he's like right over there. Like, just turn your head. You guys know what he looks like, right? Because he's right there. So I just thought that was kind of dumb. I thought Rupert Friend was great. I really liked sort of his diction, the way he was talking. I mean, obviously the look they created, all those hours in the makeup chair, I, I felt worked well in the prosthetics. So I thought he looked great. I was excited to see a lot more of him. Uh, Maybe we will, maybe we won't. I don't know. The thing that I was really surprised by, and I do kind of remember that the various uh, Inquisitors kind of would get into it with each other in Star Wars Rebels, but just like how Reva was just like, 
I'm not listening to you. And you're like, wow, this is like, just like the inner fighting between the two of them. And like, he would tell her to stand down. And she's like, no, I'm gonna, I'm I'm not even gonna even bother to pretend that I'm listening to you. So I thought that was kind of a fascinating uh, thing. I really did like her a lot. You like the parkour moves she was yeah, like doing in yeah, Dayu? Like, I why do you think she's so obsessed with Kenobi? Is it because, is it going to harken back to that first scene that you didn't even realize was her? Where uh, maybe Obi-Wan didn't protect the younglings in the temple and she resents him for that? I mean, or I he never he that. never came and found her? Or is it or or is it just to curry favor with Vader? Because she's really wants to climb the corporate ladder. I mean, I was really thinking that it was going to curry favor with Vader. But the, the, the my other big question is... Uh, cause like when, you know, she says at the end towards him, like Anakin Skywalker is alive. I was like, hold on. Isn't the fact that Vader is Anakin Skywalker, isn't that kind of like pretty kept on the down low? Cause like my always thought was like when Anakin became Lord Vader, you basically weren't allowed to say that he would like Anakin Skywalker, like anywhere around him. Like that was always my feeling about it. And so I was just sort of like, and I, cause I know, and then going back to bloodline, there's this whole sort of history in in the galaxy of people not knowing that Vader was Anakin Skywalker. Because I thought the Emperor kind of put the kibosh on anyone talking about Vader being Anakin Skywalker. And then also I was sort of like with Obi-Wan. I mean, as soon as he heard Lord Vader, he would probably have, you know, understood. But I was like, was Obi-Wan not reading the whole in it? Like, was I Vader? I know, I thought the same thing. <laughs> I was like, I was yeah. like, was, was, I thought Vader was kind of well-known throughout the galaxy at this point. Like, has Obi-Wan he's, just he's not infamous. Really, Yeah, like, was he he's just not infamous. reading the news? Or he was just really, like, putting his head down, cutting that meat, and not reading any of it. Like, I was just, like, a little bit confused about that. I was, too. I mean, I know it's Outer Rim, Lauren, but, yeah, like, still. So, like, but still, still like, <laughs> you're still getting news in the Outer Rim. 100%. I mean, listen, this is, I realize I'm nitpicking here a little yeah. bit, but just the entire, it, it, having Leia and Obi-Wan go off on this whole journey together really makes her message to Obi-Wan at the very beginning of New Hope not make a lot of sense, right? Because she says, her old introductory is, I'm like, oh, uh, by the way, years ago, you served my father in the Clone Wars. Like, here's who I am. You don't know yeah. me, but you served him. I'm, 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 I wish I could bring you this message from him. Clearly that that's not the message she would leave now if they're on Dayu. No, I mean, and obviously when George Lucas was writing that dialogue, he wasn't thinking. And so it's like, I always want to give like a little bit of leeway because it's like, obviously George Lucas wouldn't have had Luke and Leia kiss if he knew they were going to be twins. And that's the biggest one out of that one. But it's like, so you want to give them a little leeway to be like, ah, we need to kind of move things over this way. So like, I, I can't say I'm always against retconning, but there were a couple of things here and I'm probably just being nitpicky because it's like you know once you know kind of more about this stuff and about like that people didn't really know that the galaxy really didn't know that Anakin Skywalker and Lord Vader were the same person but a a lot of people haven't read Bloodline so they're probably not even thinking about that stuff they should yeah it's great What'd you think of Kamal Nanjani playing Haja Esti, a, a, a fake we By the way, we had Kamal on our podcast yeah, last week as we well. Did. You should go listen to it. That's where he broke the news about his character, gave his name and his description as a con man for the first time ever was with us on the Dagobah Dispatch. What'd you think of the uh, the phony baloney Jedi? I actually kind of liked him. I thought that was really fun. And I, I liked that he was, uh, you know, he was allowed to be funny. And, and I just thought the whole... Uh, I thought that whole scene was when he was getting confronted by Obi-Wan and like, you know, Obi-Wan was just like, 
using magnets and this and stuff. But that, you know, he turned out to be like, you know, he might have been a little bit of a scoundrel, but he was a good guy and he got, you know, helped get them off the planet. But I mean, it was interesting when he just thought like he could go up against Riva and she was just like, I'm just going to get my information out of you because I can just, you know, go into your mind and read it. But I, I really enjoyed him, too. Yeah, I mean, it was it, you know, they really did not go very heavy into the comedic category at all, which not Star really. Wars does. I mean, they, they've always sort of done that. And they really didn't like there was no sort of super cutesy, you know, Jar Jar Binks or Ewoks or even C-3PO for that matter. Who was sort of comic relief? Le- Leia was getting off some lines and you calling Obi Wan old. She kept calling yeah. him old. So like, the yeah, grandfather line old. was was good. Yeah, yeah. that was good. Was- so you know, and I would just say like yeah, the the actress who played Daniel, she like she had some comic timing there. So I, I enjoyed that. You know, I could I I, be- I could believe that she would turn into Carrie Fisher as as she got older. Yeah, so. I believe it too. Anything else from Obi Wan that you want to hit on? Anything you particularly liked, disliked? Uh, anything that sort of caught your attention? That we didn't get to. Ewan McGregor was great. He just slid right back into this, and the fact that like you could like, really saw like the first ep- like the first episode, he was just really broken down. And I was thinking like, yeah, what would get him out of this? It would be a threat to one of the Skywalker children. And it was great to see Jimmy Smith again. I've loved Jimmy Smith since L.A. Law, and he was also great with the actress who played the young Leia, as was the woman who played Brea again. I think this was a new actress. I don't think this was the one that was in the Clone Wars. She looked familiar, but I can't I can't remember where I've seen her uh, from before. But yeah, she was great. And then also just give a shout out to Joel Edgerton. He is just really like gliding into grumpy Uncle Owen in New Hope. There was kind of just like a seamlessness where you're like, yeah, I totally see where like, you know, that's where Uncle Owen would be right now. And so I'm kind of hoping yeah. we get more of him. That that's not how he normally talks. And so he's he's yeah. clearly Joel Edgerton. So that's he's clearly trying to, you know, match as you mentioned, the gruffer Uncle Owen that we see in New Hope, which I thought he did a great job of yeah, doing. I yeah, totally it bought it. Like, they don't really look that similar. And like, I remember when he, they first cast him, like, oh, is that really what Owen looks like? He's young, like it's some weird casting, but like, yeah. he's totally making it work. He's totally Yeah, because it's it like when, when he was cast in these movies, like he was really an unknown and he's become a star since then. It is just a marvel of casting that they cast someone like, and you could bring him back and he can, you know, he has the gravitas to play Uncle Owen at this point. But yeah, like cast wise, I thought like everyone was great in this. Okay, we are not done, not even by a long shot. We've got interviews with Darth Vader himself, Hayden Christensen. So we're going to chat with him and then also talk with Obi-Wan Kenobi director Deborah Chow. That is all coming up right after this quick break. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I was thinking about our last conversation and I remember telling you when we spoke how my favorite scene of yours from the prequels was you telling Padme about how you had slaughtered the Tusken Raiders and how emotional that was. But I never asked you your favorite scene from the prequels. So uh, you must have one. You know, I've got a few of them. It's hard. It's hard to sort of uh, pick just one. 
from episode three, there's so many. I really like that scene that I got to do with Ian McDermott in the opera, uh, where, where he sort of plants the seeds of his seduction for Anakin to see the, the value of, of potentially turning to the dark side. And that, that was a really enjoyable one to get to get to film. That's another one of my favorites. It's a classic. You mentioned me when we spoke then how you not only rewatched all the movies before coming back now, but you, you also watched the Clone Wars and Rebels. And uh, just tell me your thoughts on, on sort of the, the Anakin we see in the Clone Wars, because that's right in between your two portrayals of him, right? In Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. So I'm curious about what you think about how they sort of fleshed out your character in that animated world and something that sort of maybe informs you now moving forward. Yeah, I really enjoyed um, what they did with the, with the character in, in the Clone Wars. I think Dave Filoni's storytelling uh, in that series is really remarkable. And Matt Lanter does a great job voicing the character. You know, there's lots of great stuff there to unpack. And I think as the series sort of continues, uh, it just gets better and better. And that last season is, you know, really great. We talked a lot about sort of like your headspace coming back to play the character and sort of where the character's at. But I was thinking about this, just the physicality of it, because we didn't see you move around in the suit a whole lot in Revenge of the Sith. Coming back for Kenobi, did you have to think and figure out like how you wanted to look just moving around and walking in that thing, how you wanted that to come off? Yeah, I mean, that was something that, of course, we, we you know, spent a lot of time working on. And this suit really sort of just informs the way you move. And we had we had this woman who was like a, a Vader movement specialist, and she kind of made sure that we were we were always sort of in, in, the, in the right ballpark. But certainly, you know, we, we wanted to make sure that we were staying true to to how Vader moves and, and how we perceive him and, and wanting to keep all that, you know, relatively consistent. How easy is it to move in that armor? Do they, do they have different suits for you to wear, depending on how active you are in a scene or how does that work? It's, it's challenging. You know, I remember when we were when we were doing episode three and I put on the suit for the first time, I was really having a tough time moving around in it. And, and it was all extremely rigid. And I, I sort of said that to George and, and he said, you know, it's OK. This is this is your first time in the suit. So it should feel very mechanical and, you know, not very natural. Now, of course, this is 10 years after that. So he's, he's had a lot of time to, to acclimate. But, you know, again, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a full-on challenge just trying to, you know, get to set in that suit. Much less going to the bathroom, I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, that, that poses a whole other set of challenges. <laughs> so when you're doing a scene, like they, they obviously, you know, they put the voice in later that we'll hear. So what do you do in terms of saying the lines? Like, do you try to use like a James Earl Jones accent or something when you're talking in there or what? Uh, no, I mean, I do, uh, you know, how I feel Anakin would sound with all of those injuries and, and, and how, you know, that would have possibly affected his vocal abilities. And it's, it's my own sort of version of it. I remember Hayden, one of the things you and you and I talked about, and I feel like one of the things you're really known for was your, your fighting technique and some of those lightsaber battle scenes. You had some very sort of unique trademark moves, like that one sort of crossover move that you did there. Is any of that style going to carry over here? Are we going to see any of that at all? Because obviously you're in a different place physically in the suit. And I was just curious. Yeah, we, we get a, a little bit of that. I mean, you know, I think sort of what they did in, in Rogue One was very strong. And, um, and that sort of resonated with everybody. 
but you know there 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 are a few sort of nods to to Anakin's style, but you know his his style changes and, and evolves you know as he tries to fight in, in in his armor now. As he's evolving, like where is his head at? I mean, is is he just consumed being like dark side power mad, or is he feeling trapped by all the machinery surrounding him, or maybe a little from column A and a little from column B? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's definitely a combination of both of those. I don't know. It's different, but also also the same. You know, we didn't want to deviate too much from from what we already know. But also, this is a, a different time in his life, and he's very much you know consumed by by all of his sort of negative emotions, and all of that fuels his his dark side abilities. But uh, but yeah, I mean, we're just gonna have to to watch and find out. Dude, so you had told me something that I found fascinating. He said he does a little force wave with his fingers when he comes up on like an automatic supermarket door to make it feel like he actually has the force when it opens. Have you ever done that or tried to like force push things in real life? Maybe. (laughs) (laughs) I remember when when we were first starting on, on episode two, when I was first getting to play the character. I remember going to like a a local bar with you and, and playing pool and really trying my best to affect, you know, where the balls were going uh, using the force. It never quite worked, but uh, you can't help yourself. That's when you want to start placing bets when you have that ability. So look, we at Entertainment Weekly just did a top 100 Star Wars characters ever list. And I want to let you know, I argued passionately for Anakin slash Darth Vader to be number one. I lost that argument. Your your daughter, yes, your daughter, Princess Leia, was named the top character instead. You were number two. Uh, I want to know how the Dark Lord of the Sith feels about that. We'll let Princess Leia take the cake, I guess. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, not number two, that's not bad either. No, I feel like it should have been one, but it was, it was close enough. How has it been going, going through this whole process? Again, we talked about it earlier with the filming. What about now, just really gearing up, being just a few days away and doing the media and all that stuff? Yeah, it's really exciting, man. Um you know, I think the general, you know, sort of uh, anticipation is 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 there, and um, you know, getting to speak with with different journalists, you know, it's it's all been really positive, and uh, I've enjoyed the experience. It's always great chatting with you. I hope we get to do it again, actually, after I get to see this, some stuff, so we can talk a little more freely. Well, likewise. Um, but I love getting your perspective, Hayden. Thanks so much. I, I enjoyed your article very much. Oh. Oh, man, I, I hope we get to do a lot more of them. <laughs> All right. yeah, me too. Well, it's it's not every day you get to chat with the Dark Lord of the Sith, but that was super cool hanging out with Hayden Christensen. And after this super quick break, we are going to be joined by Obi-Wan Kenobi director Deborah Chow. So stay tuned for that right after this. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When we last spoke, you were telling me how the closest sort of DNA for this show was was the prequels, yet you've carried over the Inquisitors from Star Wars Rebels. So while I know you may be kind of shying away maybe from Mandalorian timeline stuff, I was curious, 
What about bringing over more sort of Clone Wars or Rebels stuff from the animated world? Is that something we might see in Obi-Wan? I mean, I think with this show, you know, obviously we have so many returning legacy characters in this show already that we didn't want to just pack the house for the sake of packing the house. Um, so I think for us, you know, the decision to bring the Inquisitors in, it it made a lot of sense, obviously, for the time period and considering that we have a story about a Jedi in hiding. So, you know, we are obviously, there will be some surprises along the way with the show, but really for us, we were really trying to make sure that it came out of story and that we weren't just kind of bringing people in for the sake of it. I mean, someone like the Grand Inquisitor who has a backstory that is definitely explored in Rebels, is that something that we might take a look at here or is that just, you know... As you mentioned, we have too much stuff with the legacy characters to really get into that. I think for, you know, for the show, obviously, it's called Obi-Wan Kenobi. And really what we were trying to do is a, a character driven story. So first and foremost, it's his story and it starts and ends with him. So really, he's the focus of it. So unfortunately, you don't always have time to get into everybody else's story in such depth. So, we, you know, with different characters, certainly we touch on them or we do get into it at different levels. But I, it, first and foremost, it always comes back to him. I love how the show, you mentioned the show is called Obi-Wan Kenobi, yet I'm going to continue to ask you about people not named Obi-Wan Kenobi, <laughs> only because I figure you yeah. and I did so much of that already, like, you know, like yeah. two months ago. But, but you know, it is, it, listen, it's filling a gap, right, for these characters like Obi-Wan and Vader and Owen and Beru, and, and we know what happens to them later. But when it does come to the new characters that you're, you're creating for this story, how much discussion was there? in terms of potential long-term viability of perhaps extending those characters beyond this show and potentially giving them a life later on in other Star Wars shows or movies to come. Is the series maybe setting things up for some of them as well in that way? We definitely didn't develop it thinking that way, you know, because, you know, we're just trying to actually get the story and trying to do justice to the story that we have. For sure, though, you know, there are characters like already the Grand Inquisitor is coming from Rebels and, and now he's in this show and like he's a character where you know, I would love to see him appear again, um, but we didn't do it in a way that we're, we're sitting here trying to plan it out. Um, so really for us, I think we just tried to focus on the story that we wanted to tell and making sure that everybody was organic and had it, had their place in the show. But, you know, I, I do hope that many of these characters do turn up in other properties. How much will we see Luke Skywalker on this show? How big a role is he going to play, Deb? Uh, well, that's definitely going to have to be a wait and see with that one. <laughs> you know I got to <laughs> ask. you knew it, I know you're going to ask, but you know it's going to be a wait and see. But, you know, obviously that is his duty. And that was the duty that he's doing at the beginning of the show. I'm talking to Kamel later today. Um, so what can you tell me about his character on the show, which we finally caught a glimpse of in that trailer? Kumail is someone who absolutely can tell you for himself. and He'll tell you in an amazing way. Uh, but I can say I was so excited, actually, that he came onto the cast and he was so fun to work with and everybody loved him. So, so much of Kumail is in that character, uh, but I will leave it to him to explain it because he's going to be the best at it. How much did you like take a peek and look at reaction to the two trailers when they came out? Because I wouldn't be able to stop myself and I'd be combing through message boards and reactions. And of course, that can be very dangerous at the same time. But how much did you do that? I always try to keep that in check, um, especially because I, you know, was obviously when the trailer came out, I was still working on the show. So, and I had so much to do <laughs> that it's not like there was a tremendous amount of time to do it. Um, so, you know, I just try to keep an eye on sort of the big picture of it. But, you know, obviously, especially with such a passionate, you know, fan base, I think anytime you go too deep down that rabbit hole, it, it can not be for the best. Tell me just sort of about like a favorite day on set or a moment. Take us sort of like behind the scenes a little bit of being there as you're making this show. You've got these legacy characters, which you talked about. I mean, like I can imagine a little, small part of you is probably geeking out about that. 
And um, so tell me about just sort of take us behind the scenes. And of course, make sure to spoil as much as possible while doing so. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I can't spoil, but I can say like for all the shows I've ever worked on, this one felt the most special. And I think, you know, in large part, it's because every single person who worked on it, like all the crew, all the cast, everybody cares about these characters and everybody cared about this show in a way that was personal for them. You know, like they either grew up with it or they loved these characters. So it felt like we were making something that everybody was so genuinely invested in. And I've never felt that way in production where people have cared right, you know, right from the top of the call sheet to the bottom. Um, So it felt really special making it. Are you done in your post? Are you still working on some of the later episodes? Um, We're very close to being done. We're almost there. So I'll ask you this again, too, because maybe the answer's changed. I I bugged you about this a while ago. I said, look, I know it's a limited series, blah, blah, blah. I've heard that before from other shows, and then they come again. And you said, yeah, you know, I don't know. It's This was really envisioned as a six-episode series. And I got kind of the same answers from everyone. But Kathleen left the door open. <laughs> she said, <laughs> yeah. blame this on her. She said, listen, yeah. if we find a compelling reason to do it, we'll do it. Um, is there a compelling reason that might pop up, Deb? Uh, well, I think your follow-up should be with Kathleen. <laughs> um, but I would, I would say, like you know, if they, if it was to be entertained, we'd ha- we'd have to have a story to tell that really felt worthwhile. Like you don't want to just do that, you know, just for the sake of it. So I think it would very much be about: is there a story here? Is it is it worth you know telling another story? Well, you got what another nine years before a New Hope. I, I have to imagine there's a story. <laughs> yeah, there. there's some time. There's some time. Yeah. You and told me he's in. I mean, you got you got that that done. So look, uh, let me get through this particular limited series first, and then you know who knows. Maybe in a few months. I don't. I don't know. It's you can never know. Well, I can hope. Okay, it's a new hope. It's not just a hope. It's a new hope. Deb. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much, Deb. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks so much to both Deborah Chow and Hayden Christensen for being a part of this week's show. Real quickly, and we'll get into this more in depth with Devin last, next mm. week, who's out at Star Wars Celebration. But uh, the Andor trailer came out. Lauren, this is going to uh, debut at the end of the summer, August 31st, I believe, is, is the day. Uh, what you think? What you, uh, you think of the first look at uh, Andor? I thought it was pretty, uh, pretty uh, interesting. Also, it's like, I, I, I mean, I really like this period when sort of the rebellion is is kind of bubbling up in all sorts of different places. And this is why I really like Star Wars Rebel. But I thought like the trailer was good. I am really excited to see this extended plot line with Mon Mothma. Uh, I mean, I know this is about Andor, but like just she, I feel like she's just someone who hasn't gotten that much attention. And I just I, I'm really excited to see about her uh, maneuvers up against the Empire. So I'm really excited to see how much of a prominent role she's going to have in this. What about her hairstyles? I mean, she's I got some some different <laughs> hairstyles like, rocking in this. I in this have thing. to I'm say, like, she looked fabulous. Like the fashion was on point. You know, I like to see a lady trying out some different looks. She doesn't have to have the, I guess, kind of pseudo bowl haircut that she sort of had in the in New Hope and oh, not New Hope and um, yeah, it was in Jedi. But she listen, yeah, she Jedi, she, yeah, she usually looks like she's in a cult. Right? Yeah, she's like she's got she a weird bold haircut and like sort of just like a white sheet that yeah, she sort of like, put she, on. You know, she's slowy. just wearing like the caftans and the white moo-moos. But I was just like, yeah. hey, you know, sometimes a lady's got to glam up a little bit for, you know, your various Senate galas and things like that. So I'm kind of interested to see this sort of whole different side of Mon Mothma. And also seeing Selen Skarsgård, who's playing a character named Luthen, I think. And then Fiona Shaw. At the yeah. end, I was just like, yeah, I love her. Let's get her into this. And, you know, Stellan Skarsgård 
I mean, outside of just being the father to a lot of other handsome young actors, let's get him in here. Like, you know, he's always great as well. It's weird that Andor is not really in the trailer for Andor. He's barely in there. Like, I was like, it takes a while before he even shows up. There's just a lot of drumming. There's a lot of drumming happening. And then he just sort of shows up and he doesn't really do a whole lot at all. And clearly the show is basically going to show us, you know, I assume how he turns into this sort of devotes, you know, you know, well, I guess he's already devoted his life to the rebellion, but it's going to sort of flesh that out a little bit. But he's really not in there a whole lot, Lauren. No, no, it's really just like, here's a glance. But yeah, they didn't really give him all that much to do. And it's, I think it's just interesting about Andor is that, like it's been in production, but it's been very like below the radar. Like I think a lot of like Obi-Wan and the Mandalorian have been taking a lot of attention, but Andor's just been kind of skating below the radar this entire time. Like, oh yeah, this this is coming out in a couple months. Also, the fact that we're getting 24 episodes, I thought was like, I was like, wow, that's because it's like Disney Plus stuff. It's like maybe at the most 10 but I was like, 24? Like, that's like a full season of television, like a real full season of television. So I was kind of stunned to see how many episodes of it we were getting. They're going to break it up, though. It's going to yeah, be 12 yeah. and it's 12. It's going to be 12 and 12. But still, it's like, that's like a significant amount. It, I wasn't expecting it to be that much. It's four times the amount of Obi-Wan. We had yeah. six episodes there. So, uh, and we, again, we will have the cast of Andor on our podcast. Devin, mm-hmm. talk to them out at Star Wars Celebration. We'll get that to you in the coming weeks. Also, the big other big announcement, I guess, was Star Wars Skeleton Crew. This is a new series that's going to come from John Watts and Chris Ford. It's set after the events of Return of the Jedi, basically the, the same time period as Ahsoka and Mandalorian. It's in that time period. So, you know, get ready for more crossovers. Uh, <laughs> and it's the title, as I said, Star Wars Skeleton Crew. Jude Law is going to form uh, star in it. And, and here's sort of what how John Watts described it at Celebration. He said, it's a story about a group of kids about 10 years old from a tiny little planet who accidentally get lost in the Star Wars galaxy. And it's the story of their journey trying to find their way home. So we've got, you know, 10-year-old Leia now in Obi-Wan Kenobi, and we got a group of 10-year-olds in Star Wars Skeleton Crew. I don't know. Uh, Let's talk about, is it a kid's show? Isn't it a kid's show? Slightly nervous about it, Lauren. Yeah, I I have to say I'm a little nervous about it, too. I mean, Jude Law being a presence, I was like, that's a pretty big get for, you know, I think the Star Wars universe. But the premise of it, I'm a little bit curious about. So we'll see on that one. I mean, it's it's okay to have one or two 10 year olds. I, I, a Just whole, whole group batch of, of them? Yeah. I, <laughs> is this a bad batch? Is this? Yeah. A, like, well, we'll see. Listen, it starts filming soon. It's going to be released at some point next next year. And, um, yeah, it's like, it doesn't really have like a high concept log line, like, you know, like other stuff where it's like, you know, we're following Ahsoka, we're following this. And it's just sort of like 10 kids from a planet we haven't talked about. Like, okay, I'll remain curious, but I don't know if I'm necessarily excited about that one yet. Well, we'll have tons more scoop on Celebration. Devin is out mm-hmm. there. She's going to all the panels. She's talking to all the cast. So we'll get a full report from her. She was in the room. She was in the room. She was. When John Williams was playing the theme songs and Harrison Ford was coming on the stage and everything was happening. So she can give us the full report uh, with her um, her view there in the convention center. So that's it for this episode of Dagobah Dispatch. If you liked what you heard, subscribe, rate the podcast, and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And to keep the conversation going, follow Entertainment Weekly on all socials, at EW on Twitter 
and at Entertainment Weekly everywhere else. You can also tag us at Dalton Ross, Devin Kogan, and more glore. This episode of Dagobah Dispatch is hosted by Dalton Ross, Devin Kogan, and Lauren Morgan. Produced by Chanel Johnson and Sammy Junio. Edited by Sammy Junio. Full episode transcripts are available at EW.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>